Welcome everybody to a yet another episode of Pop Swap, which I guess is technically a little bit of a holiday special in a way because Easter uh, Sunday special. Today, yes, Easter Sunday, everyone's chomping away on lots of chocolate eggs right now. I feel like we should have watched some Easter content, like maybe I don't know the the Passion of the Christ or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of Easter themed. I, was, I wonder where you're going to go with that. I thought, be, gonna, is there any animated cartoons? That yeah, there's probably a few. <laughs> Who framed Roger Easter Rabbit? Bunny. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. Harvey. Harvey. Stewart. Yeah, there you go. great that's movie. Rabbit related. <laughs> We're just going to talk about rabbit related films today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch anything Easter related. We're just recording it on an Easter Sunday, so um, yeah. And by the yeah. time you're all listening to that, it won't really matter. It'll probably yeah. be two months later. <laughs> ben Ben Hur was always a film that was on an Easter Sunday when I was a kid. Really? Yeah, mm, okay. I spent four hours watching that on an Easter Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, the matinees, classic matinees, the swords the and sandals classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My nan used to watch a fair few of those as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. Not the same movie, but of that ilk. <laughs> Cut from the same yeah. cloth. Anyway. Anyway. I think... Um, less, less Easter, more nerdy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, we we don't have much of a plan today, but let's just uh, chat about um, what we watched or did this week, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we, uh, we are yet again, we're not quite getting into Halt and Catch Fire territory. We're almost there. Almost uh, there. Maybe a I week have, to go. I have a few episodes left. I am now on the last season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, next weekend will be definitive. Like, what's yep. the word I'm looking for? <laughs> D-Day. It'll be HCF Day. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll round that up next week for you. Uh, and yes, just general nerdy chat for yeah. this week. So let's get into our nerdy chat, shall we? What have you been up to, nerdy chat-wise, this well, week? Well, Dean... I watched a film on Amazon Prime. Okay. And um, so I'm just going to get that out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched a film called I Care A Lot. Uh And to sum up my thoughts, um, I cared somewhat about the first 40 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. I cared less about the second 40 minutes of the movie. And then I cared very little for the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, so I Care A Lot is a film with Rosamund Pike. And the man who plays Tyrion, whose name I am... Peter Dinklage. Sorry yeah. about that. Um, so Peter Dinklage played... Oh, well, first... Rosamund Pike, the main character, plays a woman who is essentially a court-appointed carer for the elderly, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is also a con woman. She's a con artist. Okay. Um, so intriguing premise. She basically has elderly people who may or may not have like uh, assets, shall we say, and riches, has them declared incompetent or whatever the turn of phrase is, Mm -hmm. by a doctor who she has in her pocket, basically. And she starts stealing from them. So she sends them into a home, she gets them all set up, and then she takes control of the old people's assets and just fleeces them. Um, Oh, okay. 
And it was a very, very entertaining first 40 minutes because it felt original. It felt a little bit like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels or, or Ocean's Eleven. It had that kind of cool, mm-hmm. you know, dynamic vibe. But it kind of descended into, shall we say, stupid territory. So <laughs> I think the writing was not up to the standard of the intelligence that they wanted the characters to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. So... um. The writing wasn't as smart as the as the characters were intended to be. Um, so basically what happens is she has a woman declared kind of incompetent. She has her put into a home. But this woman turns out to be the mother of a mob boss. And the mob boss is played by Peter Dinklage, who is fantastic in the movie. Okay. Um, he's incredibly entertaining as this mob boss. But there's a weird inconsistency of tone because at the beginning it's quite comedic. And it's dealing with the subject matter in quite a playful way. But then it does take a turn into, oh no, he's a serious Russian mafia boss. And <laughs> it does not fit the first half of the film for me. So that's the one of the main issues I had. But after, everyone started making stupid decisions. So um, Rosamund Pike's character got way too overly confident with what she was doing, even though she's now knee deep in Russian mafia territory and she, it's it. They were playing her off as if she was the smartest person in every room. Yet she was being so dumb. And <laughs> um, like, you're gonna get killed. This is the Russian mafia. Like, what do you like? Please don't be so cocky, you know. But whenever she would like make a blundering error that was completely out of character, seemingly Peter Dinklage's character, the mob boss, made an equally stupid, ununderstandable. <laughs> whatever the word is, incomprehensible decision. Um, So, I don't know. It left me a bit frustrated and by the end I cared very little and it got very predictable, which I hate. I hate when something gets too predictable, Mm. especially when it feels unique at at the start. If you tease me with something unique and then make it predictable... It angers me even more. So that's what I watched. I would say give it a watch and see what you make of it yourself. But sometimes watching at least 40 minutes of a good movie is enough to outweigh 40 minutes of a meh movie at the end, yeah. you know? So I think if I watched it and I was in a, a different mood of or, or a different kind of, shall we say, a different, uh, a different approach or mindset expectations wise, I might enjoy it. I might enjoy it for what it is, but mm-hmm. yeah. So inconsistency of tone, characters making baffling decisions and writing that just wasn't as smart as it was played off to be, basically. Do you think Do you think they were trying to attempt that kind of balance of from what you've described to me there? That I, I'm just making the association because of Peter Dinklage, really, but the uh, like in Bruges kind of... You Absolutely. Think, they think they're, they're wanting to aim for that sort of like dark comedic yeah. kind of, but still, a, still dramatic, still crime. Yeah. They were trying to strike that balance of the the McDonough films that are, mm-hmm. or, or like Guy Ritchie, you know, those yeah. crime dramas, but it's got a bit of a, it's got a bit of an attitude, a bit of a self-aware playfulness kind of thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just, it wasn't there for me. It didn't hit that mark. But I did actually, that reminds me, I did watch The Gentleman recently enough. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. What did you think of The Gentleman? I've not seen it because this this would be an interesting chat because I am not 
ashamed to say I loathe Guy Ritchie movies. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fun. I've never been I've never been a fan at all of his you work. Loathe his loathe films. Such his a strong films. word. It's a strong dude. word, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty harsh. I guess I'm a bit biased because like when I was when I was kind of growing up and British cinema was starting to boom a bit in the kind of like mid to late nineties, I guess, when it was kind of having a bit of a resurgence of like interesting yeah. directors coming along. Um at the time I felt it was quite unfair in, to me anyway that he was getting a lot of attention for Lockstock yeah. and to me in comparison to somebody like Shane Meadows who was also kind of launching his career at the time with 24-7 I think it was um, I just thought like he was just a like in comparison to the other like the wrong person got all the yeah. attention and had a, an incredible career and I don't know I just to me there's like a I don't buy the credibility of Guy Ritchie's background sort of constituting the work that he makes. Like, I think I think he lives up to this fantasy of this kind of plastic working class hero kind of persona yeah. of like, but he's completely not from that he's background, not, has no yeah. understanding of that world really, other than, I guess, the world that he was grown up seeing on like through movies and things like that himself, which is fine, you know, like you don't have to be from a background to do a good job of yeah. turning that into a fictional world. But um, I don't know, they, they always just played for me a little bit too much. Like they were too much like extended music videos than kind of groundbreaking dynamic works of cinema, you know, from yes. somebody who's really experimenting with the form. It was always a bit too style over substance for me with his work. But uh, yeah, I understand he's got a massive following and people love, I had a lot of friends at college at the time who absolutely love Lockstock to bits. And I can kind of understand why, because it is a fun watch, but it just never really settled with me as much as yeah. other other people. It wasn't like a cult favourite of mine. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, what's The Gentleman about anyway? Sorry. The my, Gentleman my is kind of a, it's a funny one. It's, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's Matthew McConaughey plays an American weed dealer who's in London who wants to get rid of his, sell off his empire and say it, sail into the sunset, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying basically controls the major like the the biggest weed dealing organization in Britain and once he basically announces that he's going to sell off his fortune or sell off his, whatever it is that he owns the sharks come out to play essentially that's mm-hmm. that's the film um but it's done in a way where Hugh Grant's character plays a kind of leechy sneaky um private investigator and he's brilliant in it i love hugh grant in the film he's doing Mm -hmm. a ray winston or not ray winston he's doing a ben kingsley in sexy beast kind of thing a bit of that vibe like Mm -hmm. ray fines in in bruges a a very similar kind of yeah yeah that (laughs) cast the posh guy as the hard guy yeah (laughs) and i just i like that i like that contradiction because i've never seen hugh grant be this seedy horrible person um, and I just enjoyed that and he was very good in it and you could tell everybody was having a lot of fun it's super well written it's really really well written um, it's well put together um, Hugh Grant's character is writing a film script about the story of the film and it's kind of told in that way and I like it sometimes those things can be a bit gimmicky mm-hmm. but I like the way it's narrated I like the, the, the tone of it I like the vibe I like the dynamic kind of attitude you know, mm. and Matthew McConaughey is really good in it. He's he's playing Matthew McConaughey, yeah, basically. 
Charlie Hunnam is also in it and is the best I've ever seen Charlie Hunnam because I'm not the biggest fan of Charlie Hunnam, but Mm -hmm. um, I think he's quite good in it. And Colin Farrell is exceptional. Colin Farrell is exceptional in almost everything that he does. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Um, uh, He plays a, like, boxing coach from North Dublin who's working in London, bringing up kind of street kids, working class kids as boxers. And he's got a little crew for himself. He is exceptionally hilarious in it. And there's a lot of, you know... Offensive humour and, you know, uh, could possibly potentially be perceived as racist, uh, homophobic, chauvinistic, all of the isms Mm -hmm. that you can think of. Um, But it very much owns its its sense of humour and I enjoy it. It doesn't do it gratuitously just to piss people off. I think it's all of the characters kind of just are all shitty people, but you are kind of fascinated by them all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I enjoyed The Gentleman. That was a random one. I just remembered watching that. So um, that was better than I Care A Lot. I probably should have just rewatched The Gentleman when I was 40 minutes into I Care A Lot. I should have just turned it off and rewatched The Gentleman. But um, yeah, I would say out of the two, watch The Gentleman. They're both on Amazon Prime. <laughs> So yeah, Dino, that's the, uh, I think that's the Amazon Prime content out of the way. Unless, of course, you watch something. No, no, um, well, not on Amazon, no. We, we got got that out of the way early this time. <laughs> Let's get that out so of we, we can move on with our lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what, what was I checking out? Let me think. Bit of a quiet week for me in general. I've not had time to check out much, to be honest with you. But um, my selection, oddly enough... This, I kind of ended up getting into checking this out mm-hmm. in a similar way to when I spoke to you recently enough about Servant. Yeah. And a very similar case to that of me going on the internet and looking stuff up and reading quite glowing reviews of the second season of a TV series I'd never even heard of. Okay. And thought to myself, I think I'll go back and check out the first season of this. And very similar in the that respect to Servant as well. This is also a TV series that was on Apple TV Mm -hmm. and it also had its first season in 2019 and has had its second season this year. Mm. So I started to check out a show called For All Mankind, which is uh, created by Ronald D. Moore, who's probably best known for resurrecting uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. And bringing that back to TV screens and doing a fantastic job of that. Uh, I think he might have done a bit of stuff on Star Trek series prior to that as well. I'm not 100%. I'm not much of a Trekkie, so I don't know Mm -hmm. much about that. But um, yeah, the basic gist is it tells the story of, I guess, an alternative history of what may have happened with the space race if it didn't end. So. I like yeah, first, 
yeah, what ifs. It's a good what if show. Cool. So we kind of like open with an astronaut landing on the moon, and we have the uh, have guy in the news speaking to the population. Everybody's very excited, and we're expecting uh, the astronauts to come down. And you think you know where it's going, and then all of a sudden he starts speaking, and he's speaking in Russian, and we realise cool. that the Russians have beaten the Americans to the first man on the moon. Oh, fantastic. I yeah. like where this so, is going already. Yeah, so it kind of like spirals from there, really. And it just tells the story. Like, you've you've got real-world figures in there as well. So you've got um, your kind of full list of people throughout history. You've still got, like, Buzz Aldrin and um, Neil Armstrong and John Glenn and all those characters are still in it. You have actors briefly playing them more in sort of cameo roles than them being the main cast and mm-hmm. uh, the main characters. But then you have this crew of this kind of fictional group of characters who are all taking part in these new Apollo missions that are based on the idea, like I say, that the Russians are winning the space race. And because things don't go to plan as they did in history, then it just leads to a sort of really interesting chain of events. So, for example, the Russians also get the first woman on the moon and that kind of triggers the Americans to try and assemble their own team of female astronauts and get the first American woman on the moon. Cool. And... Yeah, it's just it kind of goes from there in some really interesting ways. I've no idea where it's leading to, but I get a sense that we're kind of heading into kind of like Cold War in space kind of territory as it progresses. I oh, think that's cool. that's where it might go as a show. Um, I've deliberately not read up too much about it other than that very... It was just like a case of me thinking, oh, that sounds like an interesting concept. I'll check that out. And then I didn't bother delving in too much into kind of too many critical opinions and stuff before I checked it out. Yeah, something with an intriguing premise like that. I never like reading up too much about it. Like you're reminding yeah. me, I just finished, the, we just finished recently in the last couple of weeks, The Man in the High Castle. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I stayed away from looking up stuff about it because the direction the show went was mind-blowing. Cool. And um, I would actually say that's a, it would touch bases with that a little yeah. bit. I was, I was thinking of anyone, any sort of, reference points then I guess kind of I was thinking a little bit Apollo 13 and First Man and stuff like that but then also a show like Man in the High Castle and stuff in the sense of like it is and Fatherland that film the Brooker Howard movie uh, where the Nazis win the war and stuff but uh, yeah just that concept of and because it's because it's so grounded in the original history and it just kind of like very subtly like just teases you a little bit into kind of just making tiny little changes here and there I don't know, it's much more interesting than just like a really big, grand reimagining of the future because you can kind of relate and stuff feels believable when you're watching certain scenes play out, but where it's heading is entirely unpredictable. And because you're watching the Americans fail the space race so much, then when they go to actually perform some of the missions during the episodes and stuff, you're really on edge because you've got no idea if anyone's going to survive this mission, if anything's exactly. going to go well. You're really not sure what's going to happen and it, it makes you kind of like care quite quite a lot about what's going to happen to the cast and crew. What is um, what is the show called again? For All Mankind. For it's All called. Mankind. Cool. Yeah, the cast, the cast are really good as well. Um, there's a few familiar faces that people might know if you've got uh, Joel Kinnaman. Oh, yes. The Ro- yeah, the Robocop remake. Yep. Um, Killing and all the carbon as well, mm-hmm. um, and then you have uh, what's her name, Chantelle Vanseton. I think I probably mispronounced her name, but she's she's from the boys. She's uh, Butcher's um, wife. Butcher's wife, yes. 
yeah in that and then you've also got a son again i'm going to mispronounce surnames here but sonia welger welger sonia welger who's penny from lost oh yeah 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 she's great in it i it's love really you penny good. i love you penny <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh she plays one of the female astronauts um so i'm only and chris bauer as well who's like a bit of a david simon regular he's been in the wire and the juice and he's always brilliant he's a fantastic actor right um yeah. he's really great in it as well but yeah uh i'm only f- i'm binged five hours worth of television last night <laughs> yeah because cool. um, because each episode is a, a a good full hour in length as well so you get you get that sense it's uh but it's a slow burn i've got to admit you kind of you mm. need to give it an episode or two to settle in and once you start to get familiar with the cast and the characters you're completely hooked at that state. At least I was. That's um, that is the exact same experience I had with the man in the high castle. An episode mm-hmm. or two to kind of get going, familiarize yourself with the premise. Yeah, and then it just it's it's relentless until the very end. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, definitely on my list to watch that one as well. But yeah, I'm really excited about seeing where it goes from there. Like I say, I'm halfway through. I think it's ten episodes in length, and mm-hmm. I've done five so far, and. Uh, especially knowing that the second season appears to be getting much more favourable reviews than the first. And cool. I have no issues so far with the first. I'm really enjoying it. So Yeah, uh, I had I, yeah. I, I keep making comparisons to The Man in the High Castle, but the second season is the worst reviewed season. We went to look at it, like retrospectively look up online. And the second mm-hmm. season was the worst reviewed season. It had like... I don't know, like 50 on Metacritic and 65 Rotten Tomatoes. So clearly it was a bit polarizing. We thought it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes you'll find shows like that, that, you know, maybe 50% of critics enjoyed and 50% were like, nah. And I just think are incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I wasn't sure. I'm trying to think like why. I mean, maybe it's just because I live live in my own little bubble, my cocoon of a life sometimes. I think sometimes it can be a taste thing. Yeah. You think that maybe something doesn't resonate or hit the zeitgeist a bit because of it's just not for the moment or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, uh, had, had you heard of that show before I mentioned it? Because that's the thing. Like uh, 2019, I'd never heard of that show no, at all. Like I actually, I radar. actually haven't. But it's shot right up my to watch list now. I need to track that down. Yeah. I find it odd how like these little things are sort of sneaking by and again an Apple TV kind of affair maybe it's just that I didn't find myself going on Apple TV too much until I guess now we're in lockdown we start checking out a lot of the other services we might not have checked out gonna have to try another streaming service now I guess (laughs) yeah see what else is on there yeah definitely but yeah I'll uh, I'll keep reporting back to you all on that uh, see how it goes I'll I imagine I'll have the first season finished before the end of this week. Very cool. Um, I'd been planning. Gonna, sorry, I, I had been planning. Sorry to cut across it. Uh, I've I'm been sorry. planning to start the expanse since you were talking uh, about yes, it recently. Definitely. Yeah. So that's next on my list, I think. Yeah. If our friend is listening, <laughs> if you're out there listening to us right <laughs> now, who recommended the expanse to me, I 100% think you, he should also check out For All Mankind because I think it's totally going to be up his street as well. Oh, it uh, sounds like, it definitely sounds like something he'd be into, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Let's get him it's on cool. the show as well when we, <laughs> when we, we all should. watch these things. <laughs> cool. Yeah. 
so yeah, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. And uh, I don't know, like I say, it's been a quiet week, so I haven't had time to fit in much more. Yeah, I know that there has since then also been another episode of Invincible that would have aired. I've not checked it out, but I did start I to delve into the comics and cool. I found myself getting up to about maybe issue 18 at this stage, I think I'm at right now. Yeah, cool. Um, and very much enjoying that too. I am on issue 30-something now. <clears throat> and it is... It's a sl I find it slow, weirdly, even though it's... You know, it keeps you turning the page. It's just... Hmm. Events feel to be moving a little bit slow. And it, it's kind of standard superhero tropes and every once in a while you'll get a gradual flip of a coin or a difference that keeps you going so mm -hmm. i'll keep you updated on that as well if we if we both keep reading it that'll be a cool little thing we can do now in the coming weeks especially with the tv show as well yeah we can try and get that finished as well So, um, other than Invincible, um, I picked up the first two books of a new series that I discovered recently enough. Um, I, well, sorry, the first book was a Christmas present, actually, and I picked okay. up the second book because I blasted through the first one, and it is called Sex Criminals, which is an excellent <laughs> okay. title for a comic book series. <laughs> Um, yeah, certainly catch your attention. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I didn't mention at the beginning, it's a comic book series. It is written um, by Matt Fraction, who is famous for his unique take on Hawkeye for Marvel when um, he was still working for Marvel. Um, and mm -hmm. that will be what the upcoming Disney Plus show will be based on, will be based on Matt Fraction's run on Hawkeye, where it is everything that he is doing when he's not an Avenger and it's brilliant he's got himself a little dog a little pizza dog and uh, has himself a sidekick a new young girl who he trains up and basically he's dealing with all of the problems in his apartment block and all of the problems that his neighbours have with landlords Russian mafia all this crazy stuff and it's it's quite a fun tone and he matches that tone in Sex Criminals <laughs> which is a hilarious book with tons of heart as well. Um, it's So it's his own creator-owned stuff. So it's published through Image Comics, which is a publisher dedicated to, to creator-owned material rather than the work-for-hire comics, you know. And it is essentially just about a couple who discover that when they orgasm, time stops. <laughs> okay, I did not see it going this way. <laughs> yeah. So naturally, they well, it, it we're introduced to these two kind of characters who um, they've had these powers, shall we say, since they were kids, and they thought they were the only ones. And they meet each other at a party. They do the business, and they realize, oh, you're in this world with me now too. And they realize they both have the power, and it's. It's really sweet. It's really charming. It's full of dick jokes <laughs> <laughs> and full of like the most immature humor, but it's done in such a playful way that you can't help but smile through every single bit of dialogue. It's brilliant. Um, 
but the so essentially to to explain the title uh discovering that they both have this power they naturally decide to rob banks <laughs> <laughs> so they have sex uh close to a bank and they decide okay the entire world just freezes they basically it, ju- it just freezes and um she calls it the quiet so that's what we call the world when everything freezes and he calls it come world <laughs> um, so she is a librarian she has her own library and kind of the, the the thing that gets the plot moving is that her library is going to be shut down nobody goes to the library anymore she needs to pay off her mortgage to keep the library open all this kind of stuff and he is a disgruntled bank employee who hates working for his corporate overlord banking overlord people and yeah so they decide to rob the bank that he works for to save her library um that's the plot but we then realize you know slowly that we meet the sex police um <laughs> who are people who also have that power but who kind of you know stop crime that happens in come world <laughs> it's such a ridiculous thing i can't believe like when when i say this out loud it sounds so ridiculous but it's such a fun read it's one of the it's honestly it's one of the most fun books i think i've ever read in any medium like comics or novels um but the thing that i really love about it is it's got this honesty to it so the characters really speak uh, about a lot of taboo things that you know we would all shamefully kind of maybe oh we'll think that in our mind but we won't really talk about that with our significant other or in a relationship or anything like that but these two have this relationship and they're exploring things together and then they discuss things together that it really makes you think about relationships in general and how people discuss these things in the real world and what if we openly discussed sex without all the shame and quietness and taboo thing that you know goes with it and it's really fascinating it's it's actually really really good and it's really sweet the the two have a really genuine relationship the two characters and it it goes hand in hand with Chip Zdarsky's art so i can tell that both guys are really in sync with the story they want to tell and there's even there's a lot of break in the fourth wall there's a lot of meta humor where they stop for a moment because they don't know how to write this scene and then it you you step out of the comic and you see Chip Zdarsky himself trying to draw the scene and Matt Fraction thinking how was i supposed to write this scene and then, <laughs> and then you just get a scene of them two discussing the scene rather than seeing the scene if that makes sense i don't know but it's just it's just the the fun that they clearly had making this this series um it leaps off the page so i loved it i really really loved it and and um the first book was a christmas present that my girlfriend got me and i read it last week and then i immediately bought the second book and the third and final book it ends with issue 30 which they have renamed issue 69. Um the third book I think is coming out in July. So I'm going to wait for the book. I'm not going to read the rest of it online. I'm just going to wait for the book in July and finish it then. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's amazing. I couldn't I couldn't recommend it highly enough. You'll have a great time with it. Also, I read both books in 
about half an hour to an hour, you know. Um, it's brilliant. It's really, really good. There's, there's not much else I can say about it. So, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I did this week. I read fucking sex criminals. <laughs> um, one thing actually about it is, um, so Chip Zdarsky is currently writing Daredevil, which I think is the best stuff that kind of Marvel consistently puts out great Daredevil stuff. Um, he's currently mm. writing Daredevil and that ongoing series is amazing and it's very close in tone and in plot to the show. So any fans of the Daredevil TV show should check out Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil and it's it's wild that this is the same guy that's doing Sex Criminals and used to write <laughs> Howard the Duck and it's because it's so so dark. His Daredevil is is really, really dark and it's about faith and, you know, God and the devil and all this kind of weird uh, gothic horror type stuff and, and based on the gritty underworld streets in New York and it's ex- essentially what Daredevil should be. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm reading this Sex Criminals book and it's hilarious fun. It's just, it's self-deprecating humor at its finest and I love it. It's perfect. It's right up my street. So yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds cool. I like the sound of Sex Criminals. I'll definitely have to add that to my reading list. Definitely. As I've finished off um, Invincible and uh, my Robert Kirkman kind of fest at the moment because I'm still going through Outcast as well. Oh, yeah, so, so yeah, that's, I had that's momentarily forgotten about Outcast. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. uh, that's still on my list. So I'm still working my way through both of those at the moment. Cool. But um, yeah. Uh, so next week hopefully we can get chatting away about the uh, overdue Halt and Catch Fire yep yep Uh, I will remind myself never to recommend you check out a four season TV series (laughs) prior to moving apartments like (laughs) I won't make that mistake again Um, well Um, we're all fully settled now it's still locked down so now you know if it's readily available as well on a streaming platform I would yeah that would have helped (laughs) Um, my downloads of Halt and Catch Fire didn't uh, work either, so I am still <laughs> streaming it on. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not optimal, but I'm enjoying it far more now than I was at the beginning. So I'll update you next week when I finish it. I have about seven episodes left. Good stuff. Thanks everybody for listening again. Uh, hope you're enjoying shoving all that chocolate in your faces on this day. Yep. Uh, yeah. Hope everyone yeah. has a lazy day. Indeed. Like, subscribe, <laughs> follow. <laughs> Do your all, homework. All the things. Share share, share the wealth share. with uh, the 15 other listeners. <laughs> share, that change the world. Do all the stuff we need to do. Follow yeah. on Spotify's mm-hmm. Red Circle, Red Bubble, Red Circle. That red kind circle. of yeah, red circle. Yes, nice reviews. Thanks again, and we'll catch you all next week. Goodbye. See you next week.